Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight, and joining me, as ever, is a statesman to my kingsman. It's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, Matt. How are you? I'm doing very well. We've had unseasonably warm weather in the United Kingdom today. It's been at least in the mid-twenties, so we can't handle it. I've been sitting with ice cubes all over my face all day, and, and also discovered the joys of black tea and honey. So I've been necking that oh. today. I think I'm addicted. So that aside, though, how about stateside? What's going on? Um, well, it's if we're getting into weather, it's hot here. And then, um, uh, you know, it's we don't use Celsius here because we like to be different than everything else. So uh, <laughs> not sure how hot 20 degrees is off the top of my head. But um, it's like in the 90s here, I think, right now. Um, so uh, it's in the low 80s here. Yeah, it's 86 apparently, but it's it feels like 93 according to the the weather app that I use, um, which sounds right because it's it's very sunny today. Um, you know, I had uh, I've been on meetings and stuff today, getting stuff ready for next school year, um, trying to figure out how school is going to look, if it's going to start online, if it's going to start in house, or if it's going to be some kind of hybrid, which is what it's leaning towards at the moment. Um, getting stuff ready for the yearbook, which of course, if it's a hybrid or online school. It'll be really hard to make a yearbook. Um, but, you know, it's something that I have to figure out. And uh, I decided to reach out to uh, Facebook groups today, and I started like joining as many um, yearbook advisor Facebook groups as I could find, um, and just kind of posing that question, like, uh, if anyone else is planning on being hey, online, what do you what are you thinking? Like, are you gonna have like screenshots of like Zoom conference calls? Because that seems <laughs> boring. But the, what else are you gonna do? I mean, I guess you could ask for kids to take pictures of their home lives and stuff like that but you know how much how many times are you going to see the same things you know, it's it's a intriguing and weird situation to be in it's not one anyone thought they were going to be in either which is Mm-mm. i guess the main thing i i am not a teacher so i have or are creative enough but i've no idea other than asking them all to take a passport photo to put and a quote as as you do guys do over there i've got no idea unless you theme it somehow and get them to do something uh, I, I don't know, I'm, but I'm, if anyone can work it out, it's John Burke. But listeners out there, if you know how to facilitate and work a yearbook that may end up being for a digital or a hybrid school year, please let us know because it will make John's life a lot easier and it will make the bamp a lot smoother when he comes on less stressed out. So, um, if you are new to the show, uh, welcome. And we've got and if you're old to the show, if you're a regular listener, as you would have known from our new format last week, we're discussing the major release of the week or what we deem to be, or a couple if needs be, in a spoiler-free conversation. So we're going to give our views and opinions on it, and then we'll move on to some pop culture headlines that have caught our eye. So they could be serious, they could be fun, they could be wacky. Doesn't matter what it is, if it's caught our eye, we'll talk about it. And we're going to talk about how we've been keeping bloody awesome since the last episode. And with the pandemic still going on in the world... We've had to resort to streaming again, which isn't in any way a bad thing. And for the next few weeks, we will still be streaming films. So bear that in mind, guys. So with that said, JB, shall we talk about the first film? Yeah, let's get into what we're reviewing for today. It is The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee, of course. Uh, It's written by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. 
uh, and it's got a pretty decent cast. Chadwick Boseman, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Jonathan Majors, Delroy Lindo, Jean Renault, Paul Walterhauser, and Jasper Parkinen. What's it about? Four African-American vets, veterans, battle the forces of man and nature when they return to Vietnam seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. So this is a Netflix release. It's a Spike Lee, new Spike Lee film directly released to Netflix. And one more time for those listening, non-spoilers. So if you haven't seen The Five Bloods, don't worry. We're not going to spoil the film. We're just going to give our thoughts and the opinions on it. And I'm going to pass over to The Atlantic. John, The Five Bloods, what did you think, man? Well, ow, I like to give a little context. Um, I... I love auteur filmmakers um mm-hmm. it's it's something i get very like into studying uh i love seeing their voice kind of develop over the different films and um knowing that i've seen a few spike lee films i've seen like the big spike lee films i've seen uh, black Klansman, where he won- finally wins an oscar um for not for directing though for screenplay um i've seen do the right thing i've seen malcolm x right and yep uh, inside man a childhood i know i've never seen inside man actually i almost watched it last night and opted to watch uh mo better blues instead <laughs> but I, um because i'm i'm so i am currently working through the uh, slate article of the black film canon 50 films that are on the black uh, film canon which is i picked mo better blues over inside man because mo better blues is on that list as well as spike lee in fact there's like five spike lee movies on the uh, black film canon um mm-hmm. and the more I have died, I've also I've recently watched Crooklyn, um, and I uh, I've seen He Got Game, which is an all time favorite of mine because I love basketball, and it's like I didn't know it was a Spike Lee movie when I saw it as a kid. I just liked basketball, and I was like, oh, cool, basketball movie. I'm in. <laughs> um, and then it's way more than a basketball movie for the record, but it is definitely a basketball movie. But it's really really good. Um, and I'd seen Jungle Fever. I, I keep forgetting he directed that, but uh, there's several of his films I've not seen. But I've seen enough at this point where I'm starting to get a sense of him as a filmmaker. And yeah. um, the fact uh, the fact that he's got so many films on the Black Film Canon list from Slate Magazine, and then uh, his new movie coming out, it really kind of sparked that. Like, I need to get through his filmography. So that's kind of my, I'm working through that right now um, for BerkReviews.com. Like, I'm going to be writing reviews of his films as I watch them, probably more like short synopses uh, weekly. But I am uh, it's, I'm actively going through his films. So that said. I would definitely say I'm a fan of Spike Lee as a filmmaker. I think he has a really unique style where he he has characters that feel so natural and organic, but he then will break that illusion of it being real with these artistic flourishes um, that sometimes are extremely jarring. And I think the Five Bloods he does it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are uh, you know aside from just uh, visual like close-up shots that are, are kind of out of nowhere but or characters talking directly to the camera suddenly as though they're not in a movie and yet at the same time you're questioning whether he's talking to the camera or not uh that gets into plot points i won't get into right now but um you know he has this his very specific styles like he has this floating shot where it's a dolly camera on a dolly where the actor is also on a dolly so it looks like they're floating through the scene that's been a trademark of his since mo better blues apparently i i read last night um and uh, he likes to mess with uh, aspect ratio, which I think he does a great job with the five bloods. Yes. His use of aspect ratio to help us understand when we are in the film, I think is, is excellent. Um, but, and then he, he does this film has this unique thing where he clearly wants to educate America with uh, black history. And 
they're um, and more like obscure figures of black history, like figures who have maybe been overlooked for too long. Um, and he does it in a weird way where like he'll fit it into dialogue where it feels very shoehorned in, but it's, it's clearly deliberate. Like he wants you to be aware. Like there's a part where a character is like hyping up somebody else and he's like, you got to remember like this guy. And then like Spike cuts to a picture of the guy. Like it's not, you know, it's, it feels like this is for you audience. Yep. Um, but it's also being like, told. it's such a weird, unique choice that I think any other filmmaker you're, you're like, what is this guy doing? But it's Spike Lee. It's not any other filmmaker. This is a guy who's very, very deliberate with what his message is, what, with what he wants to do. He has a really unique way of uh, visually telling his stories. And for me, it worked in every way. Um, you add that with some amazing performances. I thought uh, Delroy Lindo, who is in Crooklyn, um, an earlier Spike Lee film that I watched literally the same day I watched The Five Bloods, uh, he gets to do so much in this mm -hmm. movie. He is such a powerhouse in this film. Um, his name should be first billed to be honest i think it might be on imdb now but um and then uh i love him but more i don't know did you get to see the last black man of san francisco i haven't seen year? that yet no but i've heard so much about it from last year so jonathan majors who plays uh his son in the film is uh he's the co-star of the last black man in san francisco and that dude's gonna be a superstar i love him in this movie i think he gets to do uh he's he gets to do a lot but also he's asked to do some very subtle things and i think he nails it um and again there's these weird like close-ups that that uh lee does like he compresses even like the ratio a little bit in weird ways mm -hmm. uh, makes you a little disoriented I, I i think this movie's really interesting um i knew very little about the black soldiers in vietnam so i thought that was um you know a, an interesting telling and uh spike has not done any kind of like war movie before at least not from what i'm looking at his filmography and not what i've seen and so i th you know a lot of his movies are set in small very small like intimate homes you know like this is like i guess black klansman is the closest thing to more of an action film obviously malcolm x is a big epic biopic mm -hmm. but you know like crooklyn it's this little it's this intimate family in in their home in, in brooklyn new york and then mo better blues is uh denzel at a basically at a club like he's a blues musician who's playing a club every night um so for me like this was a really big scale granted he it's still it's a small group mm -hmm. of people um but we're jumping back and forth through time and then space i i thought it was a, especially for it to be a netflix original now i don't know if it was supposed to get theatrical run or not but um I, I really enjoyed the film. I, th I thought it's very, it's different. It's, it's way different than a lot of other Netflix things that we get. And I love, I love that about it. Um, I thought it, uh, there's, I have not done the, the research, but my understanding, there was some additional footage shot in reaction to mm -hmm. the George Floyd stuff. Um, and like, like, I think the, there's, I won't get into what, cause of spoilers, but I think there's some additional stuff, but it also, I think even before those additional shots may have been added, the movie's yeah, yeah. It, right it, it's of the moment and, and that was kind of it's kind of crazy there's been a few movies i've seen that like feel like wow what odd timing that you've released these right now when there is a civil rights movement happening um you couldn't have predicted that when you started to make these movies at least i hope not right well, like i hope, hope that so. wasn't hope foreseen but right and of course it, it also points out that this is not a new problem this is a systemic problem that they've that people have been talking about for a long time it's just not everyone's been listening and uh i think that's kind of in the forefront of this film is i think that's a major part especially with delroy lindo uh character 
being um the political mind that he has which again i'll leave out i I don't know what really constitutes a spoiler anymore but uh i'm avoiding because it is such a new movie i won't go into too many details that aren't in that plot synopsis but um yeah i think i think there's a lot of good in this film i think it's uh it's super unique and it has great performances so i i enjoyed it matt uh same yeah i I had a good time with this as much as a good time you can have with a film like this it, uh, it's got a good blend of uh, gut-wrenching moments and scenes and throwback scenes. Uh, but it's uplifting and hopeful at parts at the same time, which is something that Spike Lee is good at. Spike Lee, yeah. like you mentioned, he's got a way of telling stories with his fig- finger on the pulse of modern times. He really is excellent at that, even if sometimes it is uh, heavy-handed or far too on the nose that it's falling off sometimes Spike Lee, when he gets it right, like he did in Black Klansman, and does for the most part in The Five Bloods, with the, he knows when to put that, um, the old footage in, and not make it feel, you know, forced. And he does it really well in this film, I think. It's, uh, I thought the ensemble was great. I thought Delroy Lindo was magnificent. Everybody I've heard is saying the same thing. Delroy Lindo, I think, really is very good at Paul, uh, as Paul, uh, he's, he, you know, he carries something on his shoulders, and like you say, he's got these odd leanings politically, and his mental state is, is delved into an awful lot. So he kind of becomes the figurehead of the film, like the central focus of the film. I think he's great. Um, all the rest, the rest of them are fine. They kind of get pushed out because Daryl Lindo's character is so big at times. But I think everyone is good. I think Victoria Victoria Engo is excellent as the uh, propaganda guy on a journal radio. Present. I think she's excellent, uh, as is Clark Peters. I think he's very good as Otis. And the Asper Pekonans brought over from Black Klansman. So there's a lot yeah. of good uh, performances. They're great. The aspect ratio, great point about that. It doesn't. F- it didn't feel jarring to me um, in this film. I would have loved to have seen it on a theatre screen, though, to see how you get like, the crystal clear yeah. of um, kind of modern day times. You get the 4-3 ratio of the um, footage from the Vietnam War, of them in the war. And then you get the uh, the the bars the top and bottom of the screen. I forget the ratio now. Two thirty five to one, I think. You get and you get that ratio, and it, cause the way it kind of goes in and out of those to kind of tell you where you are in the story in terms of the timeline. It worked really well, actually, as a visual cue. So I like that. It, I didn't find that distracting, though it it could have been. Um, but there were some great moments in this. Like there's a scene which doesn't. There's a scene which involves a landmine. I'm not gonna say what happens in it. No spoilers there, but there's a scene involving yeah. that which is awesome. It is like proper sort of how hard can you clench your muscles? <laughs> awesome, that is great. Um, they use Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On" album throughout this film, and for me, that's the greatest album of all time. So I just enjoyed hearing it. But I've posted recently that, in fact, the title track "What's Going On," which isn't that doesn't have a question mark for a reason because this is what's going on. It's a statement. It still holds true to this day. Unfortunately, the lyrics from 1979 uh, still hold true to this day. So um, I like that. So I love the soundtrack to this. I love the way it looks. I love the acting. The um, like, like you said, they're they're on the chase for gold. They're on the hunt for gold. At times, that felt a bit odd for me. It it didn't really jive sometimes with the as- other aspects of the movie. Um, and uh, Spike Lee does that quite fr- frequently in his films. Like you'll have different things going on which somehow which shouldn't work but somehow do work together but this felt a bit tacked together for me um 
But what I will say is it's two and a half hours long, but I never got bored. I never felt the film was bloated or too long, even given that like the, the, the chase for the gold felt a bit odd. Like it felt like it was on a different film at times. But in terms of the runtime, no problem with that whatsoever. I had a I had a no problem with that. I really enjoyed watching this. I really enjoyed how um, the characters interacted. They had a great chemistry, like the older characters. I think they worked really well. And you believed that they were veterans 30-odd years later, 40-odd years later, or however long it's been. And the messages, like you say, the messages are timeless. The US government and the, the in the morality or immorality of the Vietnam War, you've got these um, black soldiers who are fighting for a country that country ain't going to fight for them they consider them lower forms so they've got that aspect to it as well obviously the horror of war there's an awful lot going on and there's also a few there's also spike lee you know what he thinks about the man in charge he's there's some thinly veiled digs there but put it all together i think it's very good i don't think it's as good as black clansman i think black clansman was fabulous that's superb but the five bloods i think is a very very solid very strong film and considering what we've had released already this year, it's one of the better films I've seen this year, maybe because of the lack of uh, content we've had. But, you know, I really did enjoy this film. I'm not going to rush out and watch it tomorrow or, to, or the next day, but I really did enjoy this film. So if anyone's on the fence about watching it, absolutely go watch it. But I think Daryl Roy Lindo was great. Did you think he was as good as everyone's saying? Because people are saying, you know, Daryl Roy might be a a shoo-in for an, an Academy Award nomination. I mean, I, like, I do, I do think he was that good. I don't know in a normal year if mm-hmm. they would hold up through the course of the year. I, I think he has a good chance right now. Um, even though they did, they did push uh, the, the Oscars back, maybe. We'll talk about that later. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's not inconceivable. Um, I, I liked him a lot. I think he's doing a lot of things. I think he's, it's a very dynamic performance too. It's not mm-hmm. just one thing he's doing over and over again. Like he's, he's tasked with doing quite a bit. Um, I haven't done any like research uh, on this film at all. And I knew very little about it. I actually was like surprised when I found out it was coming out. I was like, Oh, I didn't know there was a Spike Lee movie coming out straight to Netflix. Uh, I didn't know really even though. And uh, so I don't know like if they de-aged them digitally which you know they did with the Irishman, or if they, it... I don't believe they did. So I remember seeing a quote from Spike Lee saying they didn't do anything like that for the younger character in this film or the older ones. So there is that kind of like strange um, visual of the older veterans mixing with the younger, uh, Lee, excuse me, squad leader, because he said basically that's how we wanted the film to do it. Let's suspend belief, and also it's cheaper it saves a lot of money by not having to go the Irishman route and age and de-age people. Well, they definitely did some kind of um, like prosthetics though, I think to make them look a little younger. Um, there is one image towards the end of the film where it's very clearly that they look different than they, uh, they look at the other part of the film, but mm-hmm. not substantial mind you, but like, it's clearly those actors, but like it, they look like they maybe put some prosthetics on uh, one. I thought was more noticeable than the others, which is why I'm leaning that again, not con- confirmed obviously i've not read anything um i do um one thing i've never really gotten into is listening to like director commentaries and i don't know why and suddenly i'm having like the really strong urge the the one thing is i I always feel like i need to keep going to like the next movie and watching a director's commentary means i have to rewatch something i just watched and so like that's you know hard for me to like reconcile when i know Mm -hmm. there's so many movies i haven't seen but i'm really kind of curious to hear him like talk about 
his movies just because I feel like he does so many things uh, so uniquely. I'd love to hear his kind of explanations or him kind of uh, wax poetic on why he did what he did. Yeah, he's, you know? <laughs> Spike Lee, he's a, he's a man with something to say, so I'll always be interested in what he's got to say, even if he does put his foot in his mouth sometimes, uh, like in the last week or so. Like he's, but he has a backtracks on those statements about uh, Woody Allen. But I'm just having a quick googly. Yeah. Absolutely no uh, de-aging technology whatsoever. And according to this interview in the New Yorker review, no prosthetics either. So, well, I don't know how they've done it, like clever lighting oh. or something, but there was no trickery involved. I mean, that's just from a top-level view, but no CGI, no prosthetics, it says there. So that is very interesting. That is very interesting. Again, the main reason I've just read there the quote was because it saved money. didn't want to spend money on it, um, even though at times it can look a bit, like I say, yeah, old comical at times. But... Um, yeah, I, I would love to hear Spike Lee talk more about this film. And he is doing interview circuits. I'm sure I could just go on YouTube and just check them out quickly. But, yeah, man, I, yeah. I I did enjoy this film. I, it's funny because in this COVID time we're living in, we would have had a few other films out now, like a big theatrical releases. So we don't know if this was always going to be Netflix. So it's really odd when you start thinking, how where do you put this film? Because I've just mentioned it's one of the better films I've seen. But is that because of there's just been a lack of... Yeah product so it's it's really odd but like you say about Delroy Lindo it, I know we're going to mention that later on as well but at the minute you know he's probably a lock-in because there's not been that many films out and it, and it, people say it as a joke now but it is partly true as well I mean if we don't have any theatre releases for the time being then people are going to have to consider these but um, yeah I, I did I did like The Five Bloods it was yeah it was, it was, it was shocking gut-wrenching hopeful um, entertaining all at once. It's a Spike Lee film, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where this falls at year end when things start to pick up a bit uh, theatrically. But man, I, I I did enjoy this man for sure. So uh, yeah. that is our review of the Five Bloods, the Five Bloods, D A D A. Everybody, da. Um, yeah, just trying to to uh, yeah. I'm not the most street guy in the world, so me trying to say the White Bloods as I if the Five Bloods as an English man doesn't quite work so um yeah that was our review of that five bloods and let us know what you guys thought of the film as well uh, and now we're moving on to our next segment which is uh chuffed headlines and as i mentioned it's where john and myself we basically if we have a headline online about pop culture a movie pop culture news catches our eye you better believe we're going to talk about it so john uh what's caught your eye since the last episode well we'll start with the oscar uh talk so i i like it yeah. Even though I, I don't think I do like the Oscars, I like the Oscars. Um, it's it's you know <laughs> my award ceremony, so I get to uh, um, talk about movies. With this is it's the one time of year that non movie people seem to get somewhat interested in movies that they haven't seen or heard of. Yeah. Um, the, the the build up it's like Christmas almost. The build up is almost more exciting than the day because the, the Oscars are what they are. It's great. You don't you know we're always going to agree with them, but right. the sweepstakes and that that we do and that the fantasy and that stuff that's great. Yes, and, and just like. You know, you know that it's it's a time for maybe people, even if they don't win, the, like the movies you don't win, people might hear of a movie you love that they had never heard of beforehand. Yeah. Um. So I love the Oscars, and so uh, this is uh, announced that they're delaying the Oscars from February to April. It's the biggest push in a uh, the Oscar ceremony. It's the latest the Oscars have been in a long time. It's the longest delay since um forgot what it was now the article is not pulling up for some reason cnn appears to have dumped the article or it's just glitched with my link oh i see why there's an o that should not be there um but uh 
I really, really am uh, excited to see what happens with the Oscars next year because <laughs> I don't think it's it's just not going to be the same because like I mean they've also extended the the uh, the the cutoff for when a movie has to debut. Um, they haven't talked more about that because they earlier when COVID first started and theaters were shut down, they, they opened up the streaming thing, right? Like where like a movie doesn't have to have had a theatrical run now because yeah. some movies aren't going to have a theatrical run. Uh, there may not be theatrical period. Although right now, if we follow, if everything goes through, there will be theatrical releases next month, but that could always be shut down if COVID decides to uh, rear its ugly head a little more. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I am, I think it's a big sign of how serious this is that we are being, uh, that the Oscars have delayed, um, so far the Emmys, which is in September have not delayed. Uh, but my thought with that is like the TV shows have already happened. Like the shows that are qualified for the Emmys, I think have already run if I'm not mistaken. And so Mm -hmm they could do the award ceremony online or something and make it like a zoom cast or whatever. Um, it could be done. It, it could definitely be done. Uh, if they want to do it that way, especially cause like TV's going to keep moving where like the movie thing, you extend the, the, the deadline a little more movies are one and done anyways, most of the time where like a TV yep. series, you're going to have new seasons of the shows that you're giving awards. So you don't want it to be like delayed so much that like the new season's out or whatever. So I, I think the Emmys might end up staying with September, but we might see a digital version of it only. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as the Oscars, yeah, it caught my eye. It's it's a big deal that this is happening, that they've pushed it back. Yeah, man, I'd say the, one of the largest pushbacks in Academy history. But it's right, though, because we've missed, for the right reasons, we've missed about, well, at least three months of cinematic releases and they've now got and we've seen so many films wonder woman uh, godzilla versus kong uh, to name a few have been pushed back uh, because of covid so we've missed out on uh, like mulan hasn't come out yet tenet was meant to come out and what would what, what, what we do just ignore the fact the three no three months are there and uh, have gone and, and keep the uh, oscars in february you, you don't do that you have to push it back to allow the competition to be released uh, and allow the uh, Academy voters to actually have a chance to sit down and watch these films. Let's hope they actually do. And I'm actually looking forward to. I think it's the year after when the when they do like their quarterly Oscar um, watches and all that. So nothing gets missed, and it's a much more level playing field. So the films that come out at the end of the year, the Oscar bait films, have the same amount of chance of winning as a film that comes out in January, February, or March, for example. Um, so I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing that. But as for this, though, man, I think it makes sense. I think it's the right thing to do, considering everything else is moving now. Then I think the Oscars would have been, you know, they would have been behind the times almost. And it's not a fad or a trend to move things, but I think they have to for the comp- the integrity of the competition. We've missed out on at least three months worth of films by pushing the Oscars back by two months. It gives those films a chance to breathe by themselves to get the word of mouth, the buzz, let them get their box office at the critics either love or hate them and then give them a chance to rewatch it next year. It just means our fantasy draft may end up being a bit later than usual, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. We'll, we'll get the Oscars again in February, 2022, I imagine. So if anything, we have to wait a little less for the one after that. So there's every cloud, That's but I don't think point. it's a, I don't think it's bad news. I don't think it's unsurprising. I'm just, I'd rather catch up on the films that we've missed out on. And this April, Honestly, April release. Well, nobody's going to notice if, it by the time we've watched the films anyway. If you think about it, 
April kind of makes more sense for the Oscars because January and February generally suck. Yeah. So if they gave us January and February to get more of the indie buzz going mm-hmm. for some of the Oscars, like it maybe still announced the nominations like in like January, February, but then let us see the movies before we see the winners, you know? And, and the voters, let them actually have yeah. longer to see the damn thing. And then because April now, the end of April, thanks to Marvel, has become the beginning of summer. So yep. like those are that's like okay so we we hit the Oscars and now summertime the movies are exciting again they're you know big blockbusters that you know people already were hyped up for that won't well, you likely get Oscar buzz you know like mm-hmm. it kind of kind of works when you think about it but um I don't know I, I'm good with it uh, either way but I, it's it's still it just kind of gives you a heads up of what the industry is really thinking. If we're pushing back the Oscars this early too, like it's, it's only June they're already pushing it back to April. So it could get pushed back further if things stay bad too. That's something that we have to all be reminded of that. This is not over. Um, And in that note, we were talking, I think uh, the last episode we talked about the um, changes that studios have been kind of discussing uh, like how they're going to be able to go back into production, the safety things and I think your article kind of dives into that even more, like practically, because it's about to start. Yeah, man. This uh, the one I picked was uh, Jurassic World Dominion is going to be the first production to get underway in the UK, and this is from Deadline. Uh, basically, uh, they're going to be recommencing shooting on July the sixth over here at Pinewood Studios, not far from me. So I might go and see if I can see a T Rex. And the cast and crew have had to come over to the UK, and as per the government guidelines, they they will be in a two week quarantine. Uh, before they can actually go out and work, uh, just in case. And basically, Universal has spent $5 million on safety measures, a big old outlet on safety measures. So that's including COVID testing. That's going to take place throughout shooting. There's going to be an on-set medical facility, a policed green zone for the shooting cast and crew to um, to chill out in. So nobody can just walk in and out. It's going to be, it's going to be governed. Uh, antiviral fog is going to be released nightly to spray the sets. It's, it's a big deal. And the chairman of Universal, Donna Langley, she's she's been a big advocate of getting the industry back moving again. So in that sense, I'm not surprised that she's just spent five million bucks to get it going. And uh, there's also, um, we're waiting for the Batman, the new Fantastic Beast film, The Little Mermaid. We're waiting for them to get their UK green light. So I'm expecting those to get going soon. James Cameron's been in New Zealand, which is pretty much COVID-free now for the most part, to get Avatar back underway again so films are starting to roll out again but for the uk yeah jurassic world dominion what two two and a half weeks time it's going to crack on again so that film will be released next year i believe it's 2021 but for me yes there's a hell of a lot of um safety uh procedures in place and guidelines but a part of me is just excited to see production underway again even if it it, whatever the film is i mean to be honest i'm actually looking forward to dominion given the up up and down of the last two films i'm looking forward to this as like a final part of the trilogy so it's good to see that we're getting underway again and the big stars are coming out again and i I hate the word normality because we are never going to have that certainly for a long time but it's nice to have some perceived normality so obviously you're seeing this headline what are you thinking man well i'm a big jurassic park fan love jurassic park (laughs) um I, I don't really like Lost Lost World, and I I am more up on Jurassic Park three than a lot of people. I don't think it's great. Oh, thank you, but it's fun, right? It it apart from the raptor, Alan. Yeah, I mean it's oh god, the nightmare. That's so <laughs> bad. It's no worse than the uh, gymnastic 
raptor kick in the freaking lost world um, great point um but you know and that's there is a sense of campiness in two three and four jurassic world i think i think jurassic world does a lot uh it it plays heavy on nostalgia um there's definitely problems in that movie but chris pratt is just freaking charming even though he's cast i think i think he is cast incorrectly i've heard some really strong arguments that he's best when he's kind of dupey which andy dwyer uh star lord and um the lego character he plays that's when he's at his yeah. best when he's not really like trying to be like the serious guy and he is being serious i don't think he's bad but he's not playing to his strengths in that but i still i like chris pratt enough where i'm on board um i yeah. fallen kingdom fallen kingdom has a lot of problems i i remember being in the theater just thinking like why don't why 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 don't I love this? I really want to love this. I liked it, but then there's yeah. one aspect. Like, and I won't spoil it because people may or not have seen it, but even though it's been out for years, but there's one aspect towards the end, like this huge reveal, and I'm like, what the, what the hell? What? <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I quite, I, I, I was more up on that film than others seem to be. Right, I think I was too at the time. I haven't, I, I awesome. haven't watched it since then, but um, the thing is, the thing that I'm most concerned about with things starting to go back into production, that I don't know, I haven't heard this part of it, but you do all these safety precautions and whatnot. It still does not guarantee someone doesn't get it, right? No. Yeah. What what we I think need to be ready for is productions to be starting and stopping at much mm-hmm. more frequency than we've seen in the past because I think we're gonna have leads getting sick, and that can shut production down for days or weeks at a time. And so um, it could just be a cinematographer or the or the lead cameraman and that's going to put a big stop on things as well right. or the director and of course if one person has it the potential for everyone else to have it is high based on what we know yep. of this illness and since your cast is not going to be able to wear a mask when they're filming um i think we're going to be we need to be prepared to see things start and stop way more frequently and that means the budget is going to be bloated on some of these movies yep. um I, I think what we might end up seeing, because you brought this up on the last episode too, but um, I don't think we got to this conclusion, so I'm going to kind of build bridge the gap there, is I think we're going to see a return to like the middling budget films that we aren't getting a lot of anymore. I think we're going to see more films in the 40 to $60 million range um, because mm-hmm. I think they'll end up costing more than that, but I think they'll go into that thinking we might need to go a month longer because somebody got sick um, or we have to recast somebody or we had to hire another a secondary film crew because of rotation of, you know, whatever. I think we might see a return to those smaller budget films, which could be really good. Because I think that's something that's, that's not a bad thing, is it? Right. The Invisible Man was made for what? A pack of Reese's Pieces. And look how much money that's made. And it's great. I think that movie's great. And it's a very good film. Uh, right. So, like, there's there's so much there's been so much of a reliance on that big budget. And I really think some of our greatest films were, I mean, I think you challenge filmmakers to tell their story when you limit the the resources. And I think that's something that, um, you know, some filmmakers like James Cameron work well with the big budget, but other filmmakers squander it, you know, they don't need it. And so you give them the opportunity to do something tiny and small. And I think we'll have some really great product come from this. If if we're looking at like the silver lining, so to speak. Yeah. Um, well, I've just got. A, you, well, I thought you were going to say something else then, but what you've just said is a great point about potentially reintroducing um, films on a budget. I mean, forty to sixty million. It's not face. It's not lie. It's a huge amount of money. But there's so many people mm-hmm. who have shown that they can take a budget like that and deliver some of the best films of the year, or even a even a budget a lot less than that. So you don't need these films to cost. And I always it always makes my mind boggle. 
when I see a a film at two hundred and fifty million dollars, I think, Jesus, what the hell could co- possibly cost a quarter of a billion dollars? I just don't get it. And I obviously the visual effects in it, but I think, gee, I mean, Christ. But big like when you were saying obviously about the budgets are gonna expand and bloat now, my mind immediately went to theatres. Do you think we may see a slight increase in ticket prices now to subsidize some of this? I think uh, possibly also because their theaters make money on concessions and um, which we'll talk about momentarily. In fact, uh, I think, yeah, I think ticket prices could increase. Um, I also could see that's the the thing that I find the most frustrating about a recession to me. And again, I don't, I am not an economist, uh, so I don't know for sure how things work, but I understand if, if we know that a lot of people have no money because they're out of work, increasing prices will not increase sales because people don't have money. So if you lower the price, people can buy things and thus you will at least make some money versus making no money. So like less is more. You need to entice people to go out again after a long time. Right, especially at a theater. So if you're able to offer tickets at a lower price, people will be more inclined to come. And I understand that, yes, you've lost money, but if no one comes, you're still losing money. So, you know, I think it's, and again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I, and I'm admittedly, you're probably right. I probably don't. But the simple logic in me says that if, if I have, you know, $10 and you ask me to spend $10, I'm less likely to do it for something like a movie. But if I have $10 and yeah. you ask me to spend a dollar, I'm like, well, I still have $9. You know, I'm more inclined to go, you know? And again, that's, a, I'm using a small, easy number to work with there. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Give people that opportunity, and great point. I think that leads us to our last article that I, I didn't mean to add, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it came out today that my local theater chain, Regal Cinemas, uh, that's the one closest to me, they are going to be um, reopening on July 10th in certain markets. So not every theater is going to open, so I don't even know for sure if mine is going to open. They have not indicated which ones are going to uh, actually be opening and which ones are not. Um but either way, I am not confident with their safety measures. Um, now, here's the thing about the coronavirus mm-hmm. listener, and I, I, I'm no expert, but I have been uh, obsessively following the news as much as possible when it comes to everything that's happening in this year, basically. I've decided that news is important. Um, even though, keep in mind, listener, I do have a degree in mass communications, news media. I went to school to be a journalist, opted yeah, to not do I it agree. because journalism is not what it's supposed to be anymore. It is bias and it is often more opinion than fact. But, but um, if you know that, you can, you can uh, source things. You know how to like pull the facts from the abyss of nonsense. And, and you know that you have to cross-reference. But um, the coronavirus has had tons and tons of, of contradicting points of view from all different sources, some who we shouldn't be listening to at all, like people who are not doctors. And then even the people who are supposed to be the experts, the WHO and the CDC, have had changes to their thing. And what I think we have to keep in mind is that this is a new virus. So they are going to mm-hmm. learn things. So people like well, right now, the current stance is that masks are the most important thing we can do to stop the spread of the virus. And people will say, well, when it first started, you said not to wear masks and they're right. The CDC and the who both said masks were not going to help. 
make sure you don't take masks out of the hands of the people who definitely have to have them, doctors and whatnot. But now they are saying the very opposite. What we have to remember is we have to go with the most recent information. And right now, based on what they know right the second, and it definitely can change again because we're still learning what this virus is, is that mask is the most important thing. It is how this virus spreads the most is through close contact with another person from spittle, from saliva, from snot. Something, some bodily fluid gets Mm -hmm. into you from another person who's infected, you get the virus. You're not going to get it from breathing just air, like just air out in public. It's not spread that way. Uh, it's most recently they've said you won't get it likely you likely won't get it from surface contact it's there it's possible but it's the smallest percentage chance of getting it compared to that face-to-face non-mass interaction with that bit of information regal cinemas is only requiring guests and employees wear masks if the local government requires it and and that if is so huge because across (laughs) my country Each state has set its own rules, and my state is one of the most open right now. And should be noted that it also currently has the highest spike in coronavirus cases, um, just below Arizona and another state, I think Texas, um, who are both open as well. So the fact that I feel very confident that my local regal will not have people wearing masks in them is making me uncomfortable and probably unable to go to the theater. Um, and that kills me because I want to go back. I was willing to risk it if they put out safety standards that I thought were reasonable. And to me saying all mm-hmm. people must in an enclosed space where our current point of view based on the who and CDC and other doctors is that what you do often mask is the most important thing and that's the one thing they're not requiring what they are doing is daily health screenings for their employees but no the big thing is uh, ulv foggers employees will sanitize every auditorium and seat after each movie using electrostatic fogger equipment so one that has been the most debunked way to get this virus is that Unless I'm licking the seat, just sitting in it, I should not be sick. I I mean, I do every time I go to the theater for sure. That's it's a ritual, right? Um, So, but, but that's the least. That's that's the thing they don't need to do. Where what you need to do is make everyone wear masks because that is where they are currently saying the virus is spreading. I like that they're cleaning the. I I think that's obviously the virus isn't there. That's a safer environment. Cool. But if you do that and then you let me sit in a the theater with someone not wearing a mask who's sick, I'm going to get it anyways. And so the mask thing is, is the deal breaker for me right now. Like make people wear masks in your theaters because we're going to be sitting together for two hours. Yep. No, I agree. It, like it, it, that's so bothersome to me. And I, I'm sure we're going to start seeing other theaters releasing these, uh, you know, this is what we're going to do opening plans. And I, I'm not satisfied with Regal. And I am a big supporter of Regal. Uh, I am a big fan. I, I'm a member of their, uh, their, I don't even remember what it's called because I haven't got to use it in three months, but their VIP thing. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that you're, you're putting your customers or your employees in the safest space if you're not requiring masks. Um, based on current information from the CDC. I, I, so. I fully agree with you, because over here in the UK and the US, Cineworld, 
with the largest chain, and I'm I'm on there. I'm an unlimited gold member for them. Oh, very VIP. Um, they've announced that they are opening reopening in mid July, so around about this time of the day of recording uh, next month. So, and also that none of their guidelines or um, like any opening guidelines or governance has anything to do with masks. So it doesn't it doesn't say, you know, we're only going to have X amount of seats available. Nothing about that. You, you can only come in with a mask. Doesn't say anything about that either. So, like same same as you say over there, there's a chance that we could get a second spike just from going to the cinema until they make may wearing a mask mandatory. Because on the in the United Kingdom, finally, the complete idiots at the top have finally said, right, if you're going to go on public transport, uh, buses, trains, underground, whatever, the tube, you have to wear a mask. No mask, no getting on. Great. They should have done that straight away. So if they could do it on public transport, why can't they do it in like an enclosed space like a theatre? In a restaurant, I guess you can't do it because right. you've got to eat. Yeah. But in a theatre, I mean, yeah. that, and again, what about popcorn? Don't worry about that. You've gone, to watch, you've gone to watch the film first and foremost. I know it's part of the experience, but you don't go to a restaurant to look at the menu and think, oh, this looks lovely. And then enjoy like the ambiance around you. You've got to eat. You go to a cinema to watch a film. And the concessions which the theatres make their money off and they're still is selling. part of the, yeah, it's and that's part of the experience. For me though, you've got to wear a mask, man. And I was also getting slightly self-conscious because I thought I was the only one who'd lick seats in the cinema. So no. glad to know that the statesman does it as well. But I, I'm glad to see that cinemas are considering reopening, which kind of flies in the face of what I said on the last episode, bro. I did say if they do reopen, I'm not keen on going straight away just because of everything that John's basically said, because there are no real health and safety guidelines in operation. You cough on the popcorn, don't worry about that. We'll serve it to some poor schmuck who comes to buy it. There's nothing to say that they're going to put anything in place in a minute. That's not. That's also not to say, let's give them fair dues, that they're not going to. By the time this show comes out, or by next week, they may have revised their opening plans and may say, you've got to wear a mask. All of our staff will wear a mask. Uh, it's got to be contactless payment, no cash or anything like that. So they, they may be fleshing those out, and they may just wanted to get the announcement that look, guys, we're going to be opening up just for just for some good news. But I enjoy the fact that they're going to do it because, again, it gives me that kind of warm feeling inside that very slowly, very slowly, the world's going to start turning again. I love the theatre experience, and I, we, I know John does. We spoke about it at length on the last show. I love nothing more than going into the into the cinema, like I say the. The shiny floor, that I said, the trailers on the wall, the leaflets, the smell of popcorn, the everyone behind the counter looks so fun. Seeing everyone getting amped up to go and watch a film when the lights go down, you can't beat it. Honestly, you can't beat it. I don't really don't think you can. Live sport, great. You can't beat a cinema experience, especially in the event films or if the film ends up being really good. But I also value my health and the health of my family. And if anyone out there is saying, you know, oh, it's not as bad as it looks you know, go spin because I'm still not putting any of my family at risk just to go and watch Tenet, for example. So unless they put something in place to say, this is what we're going to be doing to safeguard our customers and our staff. Let's not forget the colleagues and the staff who work there. And this is what we're going to be doing. Bring your own popcorn. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they would never do that Christ. But they need to put something in place, I think, to make more people come because there's going to be a lot of people who are reticent to go out still like me. I like me and John. We we are film reviewers. We're film critics. I'm not going to run out to the cinema unless there is some stringent guideline in place. Yep. And you know, whatever people might say, that's how it, how it is for me. And I've seen so many 
peers online saying exactly the same thing. So on one hand, it's great news. On the other hand, more needs to be done, I think. Yeah, and I actually didn't think about because I am I've never tried to argue that restaurants should require masks because you're going to be sitting and eating. I didn't really consider that some people I I had already said I'm not buying concessions. Like in my head, concessions were never an option when going back yeah. to the theater just because even like our popcorn thing is so open. Like if anyone were to cough near it, like and there's no signs that you can catch it from foodborne even, but still it's just like the idea is just like nah i'm okay run the risk yeah um and so i had already written that off as not an option so i in my head i guess i wasn't thinking that some people are going to be getting food and wanting to eat but like realistically you could eat popcorn with a mask on like you know you just lift up over you know pop it in your mouth at least it's still like in your general area you know but yeah um i i just i also i like their seating policy isn't the the worst but it's not great and for my theater as you had mentioned the the reserve seating my theater does not have that it's one of the few that don't oh wow it's walking and so like it says in the their requirements that it will be suggested that you sit at least two seats apart i'm like uh no i can't i can't risk i mean i'll get up and move obviously i'm not stuck there but like if it's a crowded show like how how are you managing that ticket sale wise are you going to make sure there will be enough space where you can be six feet apart or are you going to sell out the theater? You know what I mean? Like I not having the reserve seats, I think is a big problem. And I don't see why they couldn't just add that. Um, they're putting the onus on you then. I mean, they're putting the onus on you by saying, look, we're open. Come, come, come and watch the films of us. But if they're also saying wear a mask or we, we have to wear a mask, blah, blah, then they are putting procedures in place to safeguard you. But if they're then saying, look, come and watch the films of us, you know, the shiny films, but we're also going to put it on you that you've got to sit two two spaces apart. So if you don't do that, it's your fault, guys. Something something doesn't sit right, right with that. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Um, that's yeah. yeah, that's the headlines. Um, those are the two, the three big articles that we wanted to talk about. Um, Matt, I'm curious. Uh, is there? Because I picked two articles. You only went one. Was there like just nothing caught your eye. I mean, it's only been a couple of days since we recorded last time. Usually this will be a weekly thing. We'll have more time to get headlines, but was there anything else that uh, grabbed you? In terms of headlines, not really, no, because I'm always on the lookout for something hilarious, which kind of like blows the walls off. But what I like about these headlines is that there's always something to talk about. It generates discussion. Uh, but unfortunately, I have no more to say. And all the other stuff, the headlines I have, are more about the stuff I've been consuming or stuff I've been seeking out rather than the stuff that's been stuff that's been hitting me. So unfortunately, no, I didn't. I didn't have any headlines. So um, with that damp squib of an end in there for, for me, did should we move on to what we've been consuming? Yes. So John, I'm going to throw over to you. Since our last episode, which is what we recorded four, five days ago now, three, four days ago, what's been uh, floating your boat? So I've, I'm trying to beat fallen order i'm I, i'm definitely close uh i i have this kind of bad habit of with games where you have like levels and like skills i always like go op so i'm like i think i'm at the last area but before i went to the last area i decided i was gonna go like secret hunting to get like some extra stuff on uh on some of the other planets um i i like the game a lot it is somewhat more challenging i've actually uh, had to watch a few videos on like boss fights just because I, I didn't feel like struggling in the boss fight. I was like, just tell me what I, I got. Don't blame you. Because um, even knowing like the tips, it's still not an easy thing to do. But 
uh, having a lot of fun with that. I'm still playing Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, it has gotten to be where it is starting to feel just like a chore and nothing else. Like I just get on, do my thing, and then move on. Um, so I, I don't know how much longer it's got for me, but I'm trying. Um, I watched uh, a very short uh, comedy special, and comedy special probably isn't fair. It's more like a one-man show, the Dave Chappelle 846. Um, mm. I I was a big Dave Chappelle fan as a kid. I, Half-Baked was a movie I just thought was so, so funny. And then I watched The Chappelle Show on Comedy Central back in the day, and I've watched a few of his stand-up specials. I've not watched his last several that he's uh, had on Netflix. Like I haven't watched any of the Netflix original Dave Chappelle stand-ups. Um, but this one uh, caught my attention, and it's odd because what I didn't know anything about it. It was a secret uh, kind of release. Um, but Joe Rogan posted on Instagram that he had watched it, and I'm not I'm not even a Joe Rogan fan. I I, I follow a lot of other big podcasters just because they're big podcasters i'm always kind of curious what they're doing um mm-hmm. I, I i've never listened to his podcast i i tend to not side with his political points of view but um he said you know the Chappelle thing you need to watch it and i was like huh that's interesting i wonder what this is given the 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 nature of what's going on right now and it's super powerful it is free to watch it's on youtube um it's dave Chappelle colon 846 it is. It, it's still funny if you like Chappelle. Uh, he's going to interject humor, but it's also very serious and very, very powerful. Um, if you get, mm-hmm. it's. I think the actual runtime is like twenty-one minutes or something like that. Um, and it's also kind of historic because it is the first stand-up show uh, post COVID nineteen, um, in, in at least in the U.S. and in, in a traditional sense, it is an out. I never knew that. Yeah, they did it outside. Um, so to be safe and they, you, they, uh, the opening of the film kind of feels like a little documentary about that because they show like people coming in, uh, getting their temperatures checked. They're all wearing masks. They are given, uh, their seats are because it's outside, but they're still spaced six feet apart. Um, and I think they're all in pairs. So like you were allowed to come with a guest, but like anything else, you would be separated from your party kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looked like there was drinks, but, uh, and they were far from the stage. Like I would say way more than six feet from the stage. So Chappelle was not wearing a mask, but he was also very much away from everybody. Yeah. Um, so it was, that's an interesting part of it too. So there's that little historical side. And then what he's talking about is the black lives matter, uh, George Floyd stuff. Um, and so it's very historic for that reason. So it's got a lot going on for it. Um, I'll check it out. We, now we just recorded on Friday. Uh, this is Tuesday when we're recording this episode, a little behind the curtain, uh, info for you there listener but um so i haven't had a lot of time to watch movies uh but i did watch mo better blues as i mentioned earlier when i was talking about spike lee um have you seen that i have not seen that no so i i have not been able to to find any proof of this but to me i i i don't know a lot about jazz to be real like uh, jazz (laughs) is not a a genre of music i've ever been really interested in Uh, ryan gosling did make me feel a little guilty about that uh, because (laughs) Um, and I, I can't imagine that Chazelle is not a big fan of this movie um, for a couple of reasons. Is uh, One, I think a lot of hit Chazelle's, um, you have to kind of cut off everything else for perfection of the thing you're good at, which is in Whiplash, it is heavily in La La Land. Um, I just feel like there's a lot in Mo Better Blues that clearly comes from, like La La Land pulls from. I could be wrong. It could be a coincidence. Maybe it's more like that. Both movies are pulling from actual jazz musicians and that's why. Uh, but um, even some of the color choices and like there's scenes where like he, he cast the cast, sorry, cast the, the light in like blue and it's very blue. And it just reminded me of some of the scenes in La La Land where the, like the, the room is green when they have that first 
you know, dinner after he's been on tour and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of that kind of reminded me of La La Land. It's not a musical in the same sense, but it is a, there are scenes of them playing music. Um, it's Denzel Washington, who is always great, but uh, I didn't realize him and Wesley Snipes had worked together uh, before because Wesley Snipes is in this movie. And I, I'm, I know Wesley's got a questionable personal life uh, at mm-hmm. times. and He went to jail for, I think, tax evasion at some point. But I always liked mm-hmm. him in the 90s. I was a big White Man Can't Jump fan. I love um, uh, Blade. I think the first Blade is probably one of the better 90s comic book movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Uh, but um, I, I really liked him in this, too. And I, I found it's a little bit of a slog. It's not as it's not as uh, exciting or as the songs aren't as my opinion as good as some of the other musicals that have happened but i did find it very interesting and again uh, spike lee just always has something interesting to say and denzel man there's some cool visual stuff in this movie so worth watching um especially if you're exploring spike lee and then uh a podcast that i got into recently um trying to be more anti-racist uh you know i've always been not racist but i've i don't feel like i've been a good anti-racist i've i've been afraid of confrontation, afraid of being, you know, in the middle of something or overstepping my role in being an anti-racist. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, part of that is, you know, learning more, reading more, getting here, listening more, you know, being a better uh, listener to the needs of the, the people who are being oppressed. Yep. And so this podcast was recommended to me for that reason. Um, and I, I specifically just listened to the episode that says what science says about police and um it's such a really good episode um john rapaport is the uh, the guest and he's a professor and a law professor at that um and he's done this really extensive research on uh police brutality and the the science behind it like like the fact that officers are fired and then allowed to be rehired at other precincts even though there's a record of them you know like how does that happen what are the stats and things like that and it's it's very scientific, but it's also uh, it's it's presented in very easy to follow ways. Um, and I found a lot of the things to just be kind of jarring and eye opening about the police uh, establishment and how it is right now. So um, highly recommend if you get a chance to check it out. Sweet. Well, there's, uh, there's nothing wrong with informing yourself about subjects, which is something I've been doing as well Was trying to get less ignorant, I guess, to things. So when the debates are going on. You don't, you aren't just throwing in menial stuff. You feel like you know what's going on somewhat. You may not be able to understand or uh, get it if such, but you have a, you have a thing on the pulse. So nothing wrong about that. And Mo Better Blue has been, every, I've just Googled it. It's lumped in as in like five films you should watch before La La Land or jazz films or, or, you know, major jazz films like La La Land and Mo Better Blue. Yeah. So I can't see anything which directly links Chazelle to it, no, but I'm sure he's seen it. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine he hasn't. But, hey, you never know. Yeah, well, my list is um not quite as exciting as yours. It's all right, though. I was um uh, looking forward to the announcement of the new Star Wars game coming out on EA. And by the um, will and power of the sessions, we do have contacts with people within the industry. So we were aware of what it was called and what it was about before, but obviously beholden to secrecy. But it's Star Wars Squadron, and the announcement was released on Monday. And it was underwhelming. It looked beautiful. The cinematic trailer looked beautiful. But um, but for those who aren't aware of what the game's about, you've got no idea what it's about. Is, is it just a pretty flying game or are you just dropping bombs on ships? What is it? So 
it looked great, and I'm excited for the gameplay trailer to come out this coming Thursday, the 18th of June. What I did uh, like though was it's thirty five dollars, uh, which I I and I beforehand said to said information giver gatherer. I said no way EA are going to drop this for thirty five dollars. So no way they're going to do that. Turns out they have done as a uh, as, as which is a very good gesture, and it's going to get a lot more people on board. And it's cross platform. So if you're listening on and you're a PC gamer, an Xbox gamer, or PS4 PS4 slash five, whatever it's going to be now, you can play each other, which is brilliant. More games should do this. I can now play my big brother who has an Xbox and I've got a PS. I can now play against and with him, which is I think is a great selling point. Hopefully yeah. the games hopefully the game's gonna be good. But did you see that cinematic at all? You know, I have not watched it. My friend, uh an editor for Burke Reviews, um, sent me the link to the trailer and I just haven't made it to it. I, I'm I'm in on it. Um I like the dog fights kind of. I'm not great at the ship stuff in Battlefront 2, but I don't Same. I'm not bad at it. I definitely prefer like the old first person shooter kind of stuff, but um I'm still I'm intrigued. I'm I'm more inclined to watch the gameplay trailer on Thursday to see what the actual gameplay is gonna be. Yeah, you won't get anything from the cinematic trailer other than wow, this looks great. As in like visually it looks stunning. But I'd expect that. Uh, in terms of films I've been catching up on a few films like I mentioned on the last episode been kind of delving into films which I enjoy or um, films I want to catch up on rather than anything that's coming out at the minute because again there's just not quite so many or even though it's streaming some things just don't catch my eye but so I've gone back and watched um, The Exorcist 3 which I think is magnificent psychological thriller and if you haven't seen it guys ignore Exorcist 2 The Heretic the complete toilet blocker that is it's ignore it Exorcist 3 does and it's a spiritual sequel to the first film Really, really good. George C. Scott is big in this film. Brad Dorif is incredibly good in this film. But if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's not. It's in a similar vein to the first film, but like I said, it's more of a crime psychological thriller. Um, have you seen it, John? Exorcist three? Uh, no. no, no. It's on my. I have it. I actually have two as well because I have to watch two. Yeah, I've, I'm like a year behind. I think on watching two. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, there's no rush, of course, because it is. Yeah, you wait till you see it. But the third, I'm interested to see what you think about the third film because tonally it's more like the first film, and I, I really quite like it. It's like the precursor to Seven, and I think it does it better than Seven. Wow, that's interesting. Um, um, yeah, check it out. But that's not just bias. But oh, I'm interested to hear. Yeah, you, so. I definitely. I need to. I need to watch. I actually am kind of in the mood for some horror films. Um, you know, because I guess the world is kind of a horror film, so I'm just like, yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> Yeah. But uh, one thing, um, I don't know what I think. Oh, because uh, you said you're watching movies that you want to catch up on. Um, one more podcast that I, I've listened to. Uh, IMDb has a, a their first ever podcast. Um, it's called Sweet. Movies That Changed My Life. And what they're doing is they're having um, a celebrity guest on. And that celebrity will discuss. Um, it, it sounds like it's going to be a single movie but then it is movies that changed my life. So they, it, there seems to be no rhyme or reason to how many movies, like some people have done five movies. Some have only done two movies or three movies. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, so far they've had Jeffrey Wright, Joel McHale, Elle Fanning, Kevin Smith, and Judy Greer episodes released. I, nice. I ended up not, I don't know what Elle Fanning. I just, I was like, I just couldn't sit through it and I ended up not listening to it. But um, the Joel McHale one I was concerned with, I like Joel McHale, but he's one of those guys that like he'll, he'll make a joke and then he'll tell you that Haha, i'm just kidding but i'm not and it's just like oh my god stop doing that and so I, I think he's like uncomfortable at the beginning of interviews he did uh chill out by the end so i was okay 
but um, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, and uh, I ended up listening to his whole episode uh, the, yesterday, and it made me want to watch Clerks really bad. So I'm I'm probably gonna watch Clerks tonight uh, because it, I've seen it way too many times. But I'm like I'm in the mood for Clerks, um, so I might check that out this evening. Just spoiler alert for the right. next show: John's gonna watch Clerks. Most likely, watch me never get to it, but. <laughs> Yeah, this time next year we'll get to it. Uh, a film I've watched an awful lot recently uh, is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Mainly because, I, as I mentioned on a show I did about Alien, I've been watching Alien 3 a lot recently. Not because I like it, it is us, but it, because on the Sky package, I have Sky Cinema, it's got all the new releases, premieres, but it's also got like, all the old box sets and um, of of, of, of like, all the major films. So you, you want the Omen uh, quadrilogy, all the Nightmare on Elm Street films, all of the Alien films, all of the Star Wars and all that. Great, it's on there. And I just find myself going through them. And, but also, can you forgive me? It's been popping up on the front page quite a lot. And I really, really loved it when it first came out. And I've been re-watching it because I think it's a really easy watch and it's a fun film. Um, and I still say to this day, Richard E. Grant was brilliant in that film. Melissa McCarthy, the two of those are my favourite kind of band of rascals, the two of them. I think they were so great together. Um, can you ever forgive me? I, I I really enjoy that film. I've watched it more times than I should have done, but I don't care because I really like it. And the, the other last film I saw was um, another film I've watched far too many times, but it's my favourite of the Star Wars films of all of them. It's Rogue One. Um, I find myself watching that a lot, not just for the end, but I do think the final third, like the entire Battle of Scarif is the best Star Wars of all time. The ground battle, the sky, the sky battle, the infiltration to get the plans, uh, Vader turning oh. up... Um, but I, I, I rewatched it because on the sessions, Star Wars sessions, we've got we had Guy Henry, who played Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One. He came on and had a chat. And spoiler alert for next week's show, he's an absolute wonderful, very great, very good guy. He's got a personality of a king. Um, so I rewatched it to see his scenes, and um, I love Rogue One. So in terms of films, yeah, nothing new, but three films which I really enjoy. And musically, um, John. I've been, I've been, I've been listening to, I've been digging Silverchair again. That is a fun band to get into. Um, I get into them from time to time. I, I've always liked them, but I kind of, for some reason, I've gone on and off the ball because I saw them in, I think, this time in two thousand and three, pretty much. I think it's July. No, it was about pretty much seventeen years ago, almost to the day. I think it was June the thirteenth. Uh, why I remember that, I don't know, but they played in Shepherd's Bush, London, and I went to see them, and I was like, you know what? This wasn't that wasn't the best gig I've ever seen. In fact, I was quite disappointed. There was something about I don't know if Daniel John's voice was shot or something, but it wasn't the best gig I've ever seen. But I've always liked them, and I do prefer their newer stuff as opposed to their older, uh, the Frog Stomper Freaks albums. I like them, but Dior- Neon Bourne's great, Diorama's really? a masterpiece, and Young Modern's great as well. But I've been getting really, really getting into them recently, and I'm really, really digging it. And there's a podcast release called uh, Too Much of Not Enough, which is a song from Diorama, I think. And it's basically one guy called Dan Daniel. Forgive me, I've forgotten his name. He has basically gone through the first EP and then every album. And each episode is about half an hour long. And it's dive or maybe longer. And it's diving into each album. So he's using uh, footage, interview, um, archival interview uh, audio of the band talking. He talks about the process of making it, the critical reaction, the impact and the legacy uh, so I've been really digging out, and that's why I've been really getting into it again. So I've always enjoyed the band, but I've had an even greater appreciation for them now. So yeah, Silverchair, big fan. I don't think I've listened to the last two albums you just listed. Um, I I like their first album uh, the best, and 
Um, not to say I don't like the other two that I've heard. I actually don't think I've heard anything after Neon Ballroom, but um, mm-hmm. now I'm I'm curious. I might have to dive into it. Yeah, I mean, whether Diorama is a it's a strange one to get your head around because, but I think once you get into it, you may or may not depend on your taste. But there's a lot of like musical flourishes and it like, almost like gets very Judy Garland at times in some of them, and which isn't a bad thing. Uh, but it's a very different album. Whereas Young Modern is a bit more uh, pop rocky. But I I really enjoyed them. No album no album is the same. They're all very different. And Frogstop, the first album, I do like it. And the second album, I do like them an awful lot. I just can't get my head around some of the like fifteen year old kid lyrics, which are sometimes ah. quite cringeworthy. Yeah. The, but the riffs, though, big fan of those for the most part. So yeah, I'm, so I've been really digging them. That's been uh, getting me through the last four days. Definitely, I I like that. Um... I've been listening to Rage Against the Machine and System of a Down because of their political. Uh, Sounds view, right. But, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, yeah, that's what we've been consuming, right? Yeah, man. That's the media consumption. And now on to our final segment. Do you know what? We love you guys listening. I love John. And I think he thinks I'm okay as well. But we like to tell each other how we've been staying bloody awesome since our last episode. And since it's only been a few days, we haven't had time to do too much to say bloody awesome, but we have been doing at least one or two things. So JB, uh, how have you been keeping staying bloody awesome? I have confronted one of my biggest fears, which is confrontations. Um, I, I often have thoughts and opinions that I've, I've usually kept to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like at this point in our world and the changing times, especially here in the US, um, it is important that we uh, speak up when we see things that make us feel like there's wrong happenings and whatnot. So I've been much more vocal and more willing to um, uh, post things. And, um, you know, some people don't like that I'm posting things. And some people seem to very much like that I'm posting things. And uh, I, I, the thing is, and what I've tried to do, I had to tell myself that I'll be okay. Like no matter what mean thing someone says to me, I'll be okay. Um, I will get over it and that helps. And then also, uh, I, I hold myself, um, to a certain level. I, I, I have refused to fall to name falling. Um, even when people may be calling me names and I've refused to, uh, to, I, I admit that I don't know everything. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to know everything. I, I'm very much aware of my lack of knowledge and uh, I'm willing to listen. I, I do have my opinion. I do like go in. This is what I feel. But I'm willing to hear you out. I'm willing to to maybe you maybe you can show me a direction that I wasn't thinking, um, or point out a flaw in my my thinking. Maybe a flaw in my logic. Uh, so far, that really hasn't been everyone else's approach. Most people who are against my point of view seem to just yell at me and uh, tell me I need to. How can you not see this? Uh, and like yet never really give me any any true facts uh, of mm. you know not necessarily false facts just they don't like they don't fully develop everything you know like they they give an idea but it's like well but you're not really saying anything you're just recycling the same idea over and over again without explaining why that's the right idea um but i i think that's how i've been saying bloody awesome is i'm i'm being a little more politically minded a little more socially conscious uh and i think that's important for everyone right now no, but and everyone I, should be civil. Uh, yes, and I'm a, full, a firm believer that you you stick to your opinions unless somebody gives you an argument which can make you change your mind. You stick to your opinions whilst being open minded to listen. 
Um, yes, I, I've, I've seen you do that, and it's been very enlightening, very very cool to see. And there are a, there are a few people who you can talk to, and you are th- it's like throwing a ball against a wall. You throw you, you tell them something, and it just bounces right back at you because those people are idiots. But uh, there are a few times when you kind of have to bite your tongue, and some people do like to toe the line and what to say sometimes. And this is what I've been told by. This is what I've been told to believe by certain sources, outlets, or people. So I am going to believe that, even if it is horribly wrong. But um, I, I agree. Yeah, sometimes you just have to stick to your beliefs, and not everyone agrees with it. But it's to people who you can converse with, and I've been seeing you converse with a few people in particular who are very opposed to what you're saying. But it evolves into a conversation, a debate. But it's yeah. always for the. It's never a case of look, well, you're wrong and I'm right. It's this is why I think I'm wrong, and I um, and I was reading it, very interested. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna even get involved in this because, like you say, for me, unless I know what I'm talking about, I stay out because what's the point? But it's been interesting to to watch, even if I don't agree with certain people's opinion, I'm always interested to read as to why, like the genesis of that idea. Why do they think like that? What's made them think like that? And yeah, uh, is there any way that they could see another point of view? And again, that doesn't mean they're wrong and I'm right or you're right or anyone. But it's an interesting way to do it, uh, to, to, to keep bloody awesome. And it's and I know you're, because uh, your head's in the right place. You're not going in to start fights, to start arguments, and start trolling people and losing friends out of it. So I think that's the main thing. If more people could be like that, what would Burke do? And then just actually be open to conversation. And I think well, and that's, the internet I, I think, would be a better place. Well, it's the only way we're going to have some kind of consensus. Because I, I do, my, my I seek to unify, not to divide. Um <laughs> But I feel like if you're just sitting quietly thinking to yourself, everyone else is wrong and this is the right, why isn't everyone doing this? It's like, well, one, if you think you have the right answer, why aren't you sharing it with everybody? And two, like if you are separating yourself because you think everyone else is wrong, that's not what the goal is. Like our goal is to be a united group of people. Yes, we may disagree, but we're still going to back each other. We're still going to stand by each other, even if we don't fully agree on everything. And I think, we have lost that and I am one person, but I have friends who are of the same mindset. We're all kind of actively trying to bridge those gaps as much as possible um, and, and try to find common ground. Even if it seems like some people don't want that uh, we're trying. And, you know, I think it's something that all citizens need to be a little more involved in. Um, and remember that our government's supposed to be working for us, not the other way around. Uh, we give them their jobs. We are their bosses, and we are not always acting like that. At least here, uh, I, I don't know if that's entirely accurate for Parliament. It's definitely accurate for the for the U.S. government. Yes, it is. I feel like it's it's supposed to be for you, right? It's very accurate over here because we are. Uh, we're we're not a political show, but um, it is very accurate over here in terms of the public opinion. Again, people fall on different sides of the opinion, but like John quite pertinently said, people are too busy locking themselves in cages. You are either one thing or you are the other left or you're right. You're either Republican, Democrat, Labour, Conservative. You're not in the middle willing to listen to either party and think, actually, do you know what? In this in this instance, I like what these guys are saying. Yep. Four years later, you might change it, but actually what this party said. Too many people locked in cages, man, and it's it's damaging. So it's nice to see people actually willing to listen. And, you know, some people are stuck in their ways and that's for them. But for those who aren't, it's always good to ex- expand and and open your horizon so good on you jb um how are you saying bloody awesome man not quite as um fundamentally important as what you've been doing but i picked up my guitar again or guitars again for the first time in a while since my daughter was born four years ago now uh, as of last month four years ago 
I haven't really been playing too much. I used to play quite a lot. I've been playing since um, the early 2000s, so at least 18, 19 years now. Um, the old started off with the old Nirvana and Green Day, as you do, and then branched off into more um, complex things. But again, listening to the chair, man, I was listening to some of the, the heavier songs, and I'm like, do you know what? I've, I'm in the mood now. I want to just pick up my car and just the guitar and just absolutely just belt this thing out and just turn it up loud, have everyone go out and just rock out basically uh yes i'm an english man saying rock out but i was just that's right and, and my acoustic as well i used to write songs an awful lot but haven't been doing it very much in the last few years and now i've just decided you know what i'm going to do it again because i enjoy doing it yeah there's a sense of therapy therapeutic sense in playing any instrument whether yeah. you're tenderly plucking an, an acoustic guitar classically or you're absolutely just beasting out a riff on on your acoustic on your electric like drop a tuning or something then there's something about it, like the release. You know, some people go boxing, some people go running, some people drink, but others pick up a guitar or a drum kit or a bass and, or a trumpet and just play, man, or a piano. And there's something about it which I've missed, and it's been quite nice to sit down and revisit songs that I've done, which, let's face it, aren't great, but they're good for me. And so, like, re, re, uh, newing, uh, renewing, learning new songs and uh, revisiting old songs, there's something about that, and... Uh, so I've been really digging that, and hopefully that pick, continues to pick up again because I really do miss playing on my guitar. But you're a musical man yourself as well, and you're a bassist. Yeah, I started as a guitar player actually. I switched to bass for a uh, work opportunity because there was a lot less bass players. Um, yeah, but I I have uh, in quarantine I've played my guitar a couple of times. Um, I went I stopped playing in like 2010. Um, that was the last time I was in a band. And I, I didn't play for a good couple of years, basically. And so I, I totally understand um, what you, you know, that feeling. And sometimes it's exactly what I need. Sometimes I just need to play. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I um, was listening to a Youngblood song like a month mm -hmm. ago. Um, and it was like acoustic. And I was like, you know what? I can I can learn this real fast. And I grabbed my guitar and just picked it up and played it. And um, it's it wasn't a hard song or anything. Not, not no criticism it's meant to be like a real chill song yeah. so it's like just like three chords on an acoustic and um i was like i'm gonna learn this real fast and i do that from time to time i'll, I'll just pick it up and play so yeah it's a great way to kind of not only kill some time but also just like zone out from the world for a little bit you know and it's educational because you're learning at the same time ho. um so yeah we've both been stretching ourselves john more so than me but hell i've been having a good time doing it so uh, well that's that for this episode of the bloody awesome movie podcast so the five blood reviews a bit of oscar talk some studios reopening with productions and uh pop culture and what we've been up to so that's a pretty sweet episode if you ask me next time around though next week we are dipping into amazon prime for a film that was released on the festival circuit last year 2019 but is getting its release in 2020 and it's the vast of night i'm looking forward to seeing that john i hope you are too yeah i'm very much looking forward to it Sweet. So the Vast Tonight next uh, week, guys. And if you want to follow the show, please do. Here's where you can on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast. B-A-M-P underscore podcast on Twitter and on Instagram, John. We are Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Sweet. And we'll also find us on Facebook to search for Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And you'll see our handsome faces on there. If you want to find me online, you can find me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk on Twitter and Instagram. The search for what I watched tonight. And again, you'll see my face. Sorry, guys. And a letterbox, what I watched tonight, or W-I-W-T. John, what about you? I am at Burke Reviews on all of those uh, services. Um, same, BurkeReviews.com for my reviews. 
And if, speaking of reviews, if you want to rate and review the BAMP, firstly, we'd absolutely love it if you would. If you've got a spare 30 seconds, please do consider dropping a five-star review or at least a very good one on your podcast provider of choice. It helps us out in the rankings. It gets us out to more people, which leads to more engagement, which can only be a good thing. And we love hearing from fellow movie fans. So if you do have a few seconds spare, please do consider doing that. But as I say, that is that. So with that, as always, guys, stay safe and stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blood, 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 blood,